Amen. All right, well, we're there in Exodus chapter number 35, and uh, this morning we are going to begin a brand new sermon series. I know that we've been going through the book of Numbers together, and we are continue to do that in the evening services, but uh, we're going to start a new Sunday morning series uh, entitled Building Projects in the Bible, Building Projects in the Bible. And the reason uh, for this sermon series, the reason I wanted to have us do this study is because right now, of course, our church, uh, we find ourselves in the midst of a big building and remodeling project, big for us, big for, I think, any church, really. And uh, we've been, of course, if you're part of our church family, you know that by God's grace, last year we were able to purchase a beautiful four-acre property uh, with a 400-seat auditorium just on the other side of the freeway. For those of you that are not familiar, if you just go north on Norwood, right on the other side of Interstate 80, if you know where the Starbucks uh, is, just right across from Starbucks, you'll see a church property. And it's a beautiful property, but it needed a lot of work. And our church has been working hard since October of last year uh, to get things ready and get things remodeled and ready. And, of course, there's been work days every week, and now we have this upcoming vision offering. And the vision offering is something we do every year in the spring uh, to raise money for special things. And our vision offering, of course, this year is going to be on Sunday, March 3rd. Uh, now, the video said that you can give online, and you can give online if you'd like, or you can mail in a check. That was more for our online uh, audience, of course, for our family here, you have the opportunity to bring a one-time gift on Sunday, March 3rd, and you'll also have an opportunity to um, make a commitment or to make, you can bring a one-time gift or you can make a commitment or you can do both, and you can make a commitment to give in the month of April or May or June towards the vision offering. And I thought it'd be good for us, as the vision offering is several weeks away, to spend some time uh, looking at what the Bible teaches about building projects. And you might be surprised how much the Bible actually talks about this. We're going to look at all of the building projects in the Bible, at least all the ones that I could think of, that I'm aware of. And just to kind of give you, just by way of introduction, let me give you uh, some of the building projects you find in the Bible. The first, of course, we read about here in Exodus 35, and it's the building of the tabernacle by Moses, the building of the tabernacle. We're going to look at that this morning. And this actually fits perfectly because on Wednesday night, in Hebrews chapter 9 is going to be our study on Wednesday night, our Wednesday night Bible study. And I didn't plan this out. The Holy Spirit planned this out. But the first part of chapter 9 is all about the setup and the furniture of the tabernacle. Uh, so we're going to learn about the building of the tabernacle this morning. And then on Wednesday night, we'll learn about the setup and the furniture and all those things that are in the tabernacle. So I think that's interesting. But you have the building of the tabernacle by Moses. Then, of course, you have the building of the temple by King Solomon. But if you are familiar with the biblical history, you know that, the Sol that Solomon's temple was uh, destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, by, and, and, and there was a Babylonian captivity uh, for 70 years. And then the children of Israel, the Jews, came back to the land after that captivity, and there was a rebuilding of the temple by Ezra, a second building of a second temple uh, by Ezra and by different individuals there, of course, helping Ezra. But even after that, if you look at the story in the Bible, you'll find that the temple, that second temple by Ezra, was repaired and it was remodeled 
um, by King Joash, and it was remodeled by King Hezekiah. And both Joash and Hezekiah took up special offerings, had work days, and they uh, remodeled the temple. I just think it's interesting because we are living uh, biblical Christianity. When we're talking about finding men to work at the building, we're talking about raising money. These are things that Moses did. We'll see this morning. These are things that Solomon did. These are things that Ezra did. These are things that King Joash did. These are things that King Hezekiah did. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting how much the Bible tells us about the building of these buildings, the remodeling of these buildings, the repair of these buildings. And we find ourselves here in our uh, the life and ministry of our church, so I think it'd be good for us to study it in the Bible. And today we're going to look at the first, again, of many of these uh, building projects, but we'll look at the tabernacle. And of course, the tabernacle was a tent that was built the, that God told Moses to build while the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. And this was uh, referred to as the tent of meeting. It's where God would meet with the children of Israel. If you notice there in Exodus chapter 35 and verse number four, the Bible says this, and Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing. What thing? The building of the tabernacle. This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying. And then he goes into uh, what it is that needs to be done to build this uh, tabernacle. Now, let me just say a couple of things, and, 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 and then we'll get into the text this morning. First of all, let me give a real quick disclaimer and say this. I personally don't preach on money very often, uh, if you come to our church, you know that to be true. Over the next several weeks, that's going to change because we're going to be in this, uh, get preparing for the, the, the vision offering. But usually, if you came to our church, uh, you'll, you, you'll go weeks and weeks and weeks without me uh, hearing anything regarding money. Um, that's not something we generally emphasize here. In fact, we uh, give away uh, everything and, and don't charge for anything. However, uh, let me just go ahead and say this, because sometimes people get a bad attitude about preachers preaching on money, and I understand that. Um, I don't preach on it a lot, but I'll, I'll say this. The Bible talks a lot about it, and I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to preach the Bible. Uh, so if you don't like preachers preaching on money, then there's something wrong with your heart, And uh, because I like every part of the Bible. I, I like anything the Bible has to say. I like Psalm 23. I like the Sermon on the Mount, and I like uh, Malachi teaching me to tithe. So uh, we ought to love the Word of God, period. <laughs> But um, I don't, like I said, I don't preach a lot on it, but I don't shy away from it either, and I'm not embarrassed to preach on it because, as we'll see this morning, the Bible says a lot about it. Now, let me just set you up and, and say this. In the story this morning, the passage we're going to look at, I want you to notice three different things, three different ways that the children of Israel gave uh, to build a tabernacle, to prepare for the tabernacle. And again, I'm, if you're a first-time guest, you know, this is not the usual type of sermon that I preach, but we're getting ready to move in a few weeks. We're going to uh, head over. We're, we're not going to cross the Jordan River, but we're going to cross Interstate 80. I'm going uh, to part it with a staff, and the, the cars are going to part, and then we're going to cross over uh, to the Promised Land. Uh, but there's some work that needs to be done. We're raising money to do some of those things, so let's look at it this morning. I'd like you to notice three different things that we see in this passage this morning regarding the building of the tabernacle the building of the tabernacle. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down some things, and maybe you can jot this down. I'd like you to notice, first of all, that the children of Israel, they gave collectively. They gave collectively. Notice there in verse number five, the Bible tells us that the offering was from the people. Exodus 35 and verse five, the Bible says this, take ye 
from among you. This is Moses speaking to the congregation. So just like I'm standing up right now speaking to the congregation of Verity Baptist Church, Moses was standing and speaking to the children of Israel, the congregation, and these are the instructions he gave them. He said, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. I want you to notice that the offering was from among the people. The offering was from the people. He says, an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And I'm not going to read all this, but they're actually bringing the physical materials that they will need to build a tabernacle. And in uh, between verses 5 and 9, he actually gives a list of all the things that they need. Uh, he says gold, silver, brass. He gives other things there throughout those verses. We'll, uh, we've already read that and we'll skip that for now. But look at verse number 20. Notice what the Bible says here. And I want you to notice that this offering was a group effort. Verse 20, Exodus 35 and verse 20, the Bible says this, and all the congregation, I want you to see, this was something that was done collectively. This was a group effort. This was a team effort. All the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, verse 21, and they came, this is collectively a group effort, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the Lord. And notice the emphasis being placed here. They came, both men and women, as many as, were willing-hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. The emphasis here is that this was something that the entire congregation did. This was a group effort. This was done collectively. This was something they all did together um, as the people of God. And I want you to notice that the first characteristic regarding giving here is that they gave collectively. And that is the goal of Verity Baptist Church. We want to come together as a congregation and give and raise this money and raise the need that is needed, and we want it to be done collectively. Now, keep your place there in Exodus 35. That's our text for this morning. But go with me, if you would, to the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you would. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, and then 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Do me a favor, when you get to 2 Corinthians, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. And I'd like you to be able to get to it quickly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I won't take the time to develop the context for you, but the Apostle Paul is actually taking a special offering. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, the, uh, the theme, the content of those three chapters have to do, has to do with the Apostle Paul taking a special offering to do some special things, just like we take the vision offering, not necessarily here to build a building, but they have some special things they were doing. And I want you to notice what Paul says regarding this special offering. And we saw there in Exodus 35 that it was a group effort. They were, they were to do it uh, collectively. It was something that they were all supposed to do. And then Paul tells the church at Corinth when they're taking a special offering that he wants equal sacrifice. Equal sacrifice. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 13. Notice what he says. He says, For I mean not that other men be eased. What does the word eased mean? It's the, where we get our word easy. It means to lack difficulty. He says, I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. Notice verse 14. But by an equality. Notice the word equality there. By an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply. Notice it's regarding giving. 
for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want. Notice these words, that there may be equality. The idea when it comes to a church congregation coming together to give is that it is to be done collectively. We are not expecting any one individual to, uh, to give some big sacrifice or do some major thing. Look, we're not praying that some millionaire will uh, just show up and provide our needs. And obviously, if a millionaire shows up and gives us a check, we'll cash it. You know, We'll cash any, che- any check. But um, it could be stolen. I'm just kidding. No, we won't do that. <laughs> But the idea is that God wants our church family to gather together and do this together. And look, when it comes to the vision offering, what we're looking is for uh, equal participation. We want 100% participation. We want everyone to be involved in the vision offering. But let me say this, though we want 100% participation, we, we do not want equal giving. What we want is equal sacrifice. Obviously, some people have the ability to give more than others. Some people have more resources and are just in a place in life where maybe they're they're able to do more. Other people uh, are, are unable to do as much, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. What we want is not for everyone to give the same amount, but we want for everyone to sacrifice equally. For some of you, giving $100 in the vision offering may be a big sacrifice in the uh, season of life you find yourself in and the situation you find yourself in, where for others of you, it would be the equivalent for you would be to give $10,000, to give $1,000. And the idea is this, that God looks at the sacrifice. If you remember the story of the widow's might, the Bible says that Jesus stood uh, 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 next to the uh, container where they would uh, give the offerings and the rich men would give large amounts, but the widow came and she gave two mites. As far as the financial amount, she gave the least amount of everyone, but Jesus said that she gave more than everyone. Because she gave, because they gave out of their abundance and she gave out of her lack. She was willing to sacrifice and she literally gave it all. And the idea is this, that we want 100% participation. I'd like every, I'd like every person that calls Verity Baptist Church to their home to participate in this vision offering. But I'm not standing up here and saying, let's everyone give $1,000. For some of you, that would be impossible. For others of you, that would be a joke. You could miss $1,000 and not even notice it. The truth is this. We want you to pray and ask God, Lord, how would you lead me to participate? And what we're looking for is not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. So they gave collectively. The offering was from the Lord. But I want you to notice that it was unto, it was from the people and it was unto the Lord. The offering was from the people And it was unto the Lord. Go back, keep your place there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 if you would. Go back to Exodus 35, look at verse 5. Notice what the Bible says here, Exodus 35 and verse 5. The Bible says, take ye from among you. Notice these words, an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering unto the Lord. This is emphasized throughout the passage. Look at verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering. And look, I know that some of you have been with us for a long time. You've heard these things. We've preached these things in the past. But it's good to be reminded. It's good for us to remember these things. The Bible says they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for his holy garments. Look at verse 22. And they came, both men and women, as many 
as were willing hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets. That's not a tablet like what you're thinking of. All the jewels of gold and every man that offered, offered an offering of gold. Notice these words, unto the Lord. Every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of ram and badger skins brought them. Every one that did offer an offering of silver and brass, notice the words, brought the Lord's offering. The Bible says that when you and I give, we give to the Lord. We give to God. The Bible teaches, though, that we give to God through the house of God. We give to God through the house of God. Here, they're building the tabernacle, which is literally going to be the house of God. For hundreds of years, the tabernacle will be called in reference to the house of God. It will eventually be replaced by a physical temple that Solomon built, and then that will be referenced as the house of God. And when that's destroyed and Ezra rebuilds the temple, that is the house of God. And in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that the church is the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And the Bible teaches that we are to give to God through the house of God. Malachi chapter 3, if you would, it's the last book in the Old Testament. It should be fairly easy to find. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, the Bible says this, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Notice the Bible expects believers to honor the Lord with their finances, to give tithes and offerings. In fact, God calls it robbing when you do not do so. Look at verse 9. Ye are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And look, I'm not, trying, I'm not here trying to threaten you or guilt you or whatever. You do, when it comes to finances, you do whatever you need to do, and that's between you and God. But verse number 9 may give a hint to some of you as to why it is that you cannot get ahead financially because you're robbing from God. And the Bible says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He says there in verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into, notice these words, the storehouse. The storehouse is referring to the house of God, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me here now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that, you know, that uh, there shall not be, be, not be room enough to receive it. I want you to notice that the giving to the Lord is done through the house of God. And again, you don't have to turn here. I'll just read this for you. 1 Timothy 3.15, the Bible says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Look, the way that you give to God. Because today, and, and I, I want to make this point because today people will have this idea. They'll say, well, I'll, I'll give a donation uh, and I'll give to the Lord. And then they want to uh, give to some secular outside uh, charity. And look, I'm not necessarily opposed to that, but you need to understand something, that that is not giving to the Lord. The Bible has specifically said that we are to give to God through the house of God. And, and, and there are many churches that are the house of God, and you don't necessarily have to give uh, to uh, this church, but if this is your church, this is where you should give. If this church has helped you and has been here for you, has blessed you and has taught you, has helped you uh, grow in the Lord, then the Bible says that we are to honor the Lord with our finances, that we are to honor Him with our giving, and we are to give to God through the local church. So I want you to notice that they gave collectively. The offering was 
from the people, and the offering was unto the Lord. And the idea is this, that we want 100% participation. We want everyone involved. Look, we want teenagers involved and even children involved. You say, even children involved? Look, it's good for your children to learn to give. So they don't grow up being a a stingy, covetous, greedy individual. It's good to teach your children to give. Everyone should be involved. But obviously, what we want is equal participation. But we do not want equal giving, equal sacrifice, but not equal giving. So we see that they gave collectively. Then I'd like you to notice, secondly, this morning, and again, many of you have heard this over the years, but it's good for us to be reminded. Go back to Exodus 35. Not only do we see that they gave collectively, but I'd like you to notice, secondly, this morning, that they gave willingly. Exodus 35 and verse 5. The Bible says this, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a, notice the words, willing heart, let him bring it. We're going to notice in this passage, and we'll notice as we look at several passages of the building of the house of God, that this is something that is emphasized throughout the Bible. When David raises money to build a temple, he emphasizes that it needs to be a free will offering, a willing offering. Paul emphasizes this in 2 Corinthians, that they are to do it willingly. The Bible says here, Moses said, if whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring. Look at verse 21, Exodus 35, 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit, notice the words, made willing. Look at verse 22. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted. Look at verse 29. The children of Israel brought, notice the words, a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them, look at the word, willing. You notice that the emphasis is that they were to do it willingly. Moses stands up and says, look, I want to make sure you understand something. In fact, I'm going to repeat this word over and over because I want to make sure you don't miss it. If you're of a willing heart, if your heart makes you willing, if you have a willing spirit, if you're willing to offer to the Lord, hey, I want you to understand that they gave collectively and they gave willingly. This is emphasized throughout the Bible. We could look at a lot of passages. I'm not going to take the time to do that, but go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and let me show it to you there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 3. The Bible says, in 2 Corinthians 8, 3, because remember, Paul is raising money for a special offering here in 2 Corinthians 8. He says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, notice these words, they were willing of themselves. Look at verse 12, same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. For if there be first a, notice the word, willing mind. The emphasis in the Bible is that they gave willingly. They were to give willingly. They gave collectively as a group, and they gave willingly. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Over the years that we've been doing the vision offering, we started, my wife and I started Verity Baptist Church in our living room, literally in our living room uh, 13 years ago with a handful of people. And now we're getting ready to move in, God all glory to God, into a 400-seat auditorium. And, and, you know, we've came a long ways, and praise God for that. Praise, praise God for the goodness of God. But over the years, as we have had our church, and as we started there in those uh, humble, in that humble place in the living room, 
uh, I've led the church yearly through this special vision offering. The very, very first vision offering, I stood up, and some of you have heard this, but I stood up, our very first vision offering, we're still uh, meeting in our living room, and, and I stood up, and there was, I don't know, maybe six people there, and I said, we're going to, by God's grace, raise $3,000 <laughs> to buy a church van, because my wife was running around picking up, you know, 20 people for church or whatever every Sunday and picking up people. And, and we're going to raise, we're going to raise three. And I remember I said, we're going to raise $3,000. And people literally thought like, there's no way we're going to do that. We had like six people in our church and I think two of them had jobs. And, and I was one of them. You know? and, 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 and I mean, it was just, it was, it was this thing. And, and, but, you know, we raised more than $3,000. We, we, in fact, we raised, I don't remember how much we raised, but we raised enough to where we got this idea. We can buy a church van, and we could even maybe put a, uh, the, the first month's rent on a, uh, on a little 800-square-foot uh, building, uh, building part of a, part of a building uh, that we rented. And over the years, we've done this. Over the years, the, the Lord has done this. But here's what I think is interesting. Every year, I stand up and I emphasize this. I said, look, we are wanting people to give who are willing to do it. And every year I've said this, and please, I hope you understand my heart, because I'm not saying this in any sort of negative way. If you don't want to give, we don't want your money. We do not in any, I don't know if it's pride on my part, if it's pride, the Lord forgive me, but we do not want to move into a building with somebody having bitterness in their heart, saying, well, yeah, I gave, but I felt like I was manipulated and I was guilted into doing it. Look, I have stood here year after year after year and said, you have our permission, you have my permission to not give. If you don't want to, we don't want it. You know, on March 3rd, whatever happens, say, Pastor, do you think we'll reach the same goal? I don't know. The economy is not that great. <laughs> you know, it'd be nice if Donald Trump was back in office. I don't even like Donald Trump, but at least he had a better economy. <laughs> and you know, I don't know what the Lord will do. I know this, the Lord can. Whether the Lord will and whether the Lord wants to or whether we will allow the Lord to use us, that's, that's up to us. But I'll say this, we want, and I've said this every year, we want happy money. We want people who give from a heart of happiness. We're looking for happy hearts. Are you there in 2 Corinthians 9? Look at verse 7. Notice what Paul says. He says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Notice the words. Not grudgingly. Not grudgingly. Look, when the offering plate goes by on March 3rd, if your attitude is like, I don't, I don't want to. You know, you're holding a $5 bill. And it's like, I don't know. Look, keep it. Honestly, we're not even mad at you. You stinking cheapskate. <laughs> Keep, look, the Bible says not grudgingly or of necessity. Well, uh, well I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to give because, I mean, they're just not going to get it done unless I give. Look, my God doesn't need you. My God doesn't need me. We don't give grudgingly and we don't give of necessity. Notice what the Bible says. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Here's what I think is interesting. Over the last 13 years of ministry, our church has raised over a million dollars with me standing up and saying, if you don't want to give, don't give. And, I, and that's true. And I'm telling you the honest truth. On March 3rd, when money comes in by God's grace, we want it to be done collectively. 
and we want it to be done willingly. Out of a love for the Lord, out of a love for the work of God and a love for the house of God and a love for the people of God, that you would say, no one's making me, no one's manipulating me, nobody's guilting me. This is something that I want to do and I want to participate because God loveth a cheerful giver. So we're looking for happy hearts. We're looking for happy giving. We want it to be voluntary. Look, you have my permission. Please. I mean, I don't have any authority. God said, God told you to give. But for whatever it's worth, we're not going to be mad at you. If you don't want to give, please don't give. The Bible says that our attitude towards giving reveals something about our heart. In Matthew 6.21, you don't have to turn there. Jesus said these things, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, some of you, when I, when I stood up and said, I'm going to be preaching on giving this morning, some of you got a bad attitude. Maybe you didn't show it. Some of you, maybe you did. I don't know. But you, you had a bad attitude in your mind. And you're like, ah, another preacher preaching on giving. You know, that reveals more of your heart than of us. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when your treasure is in the house of God and in the things of God, your heart will be there. We want happy money. We want happy hearts. We want people to give because they believe in what we're doing. Go back to Exodus 35. Not only do we want happy hearts, but let me say this, we want stirred hearts. See, a happy heart is a volunteer. No one's making me. Nobody's forcing me. I'm willing. I want to. I'm bringing. This is a gift from the people unto the Lord through the local church. No one's making me do it. This is my willing heart. And I'm happy about it. When you give at the vision offering this year, we want you to be happy about it. We're looking for happy hearts. But let me say this. Not only are we looking for happy hearts, we're looking for stirred hearts. Exodus 35 and verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. Exodus 35, 21. And they came, everyone whose, notice these words, heart stirred him up. Not only did they have willing hearts, and everyone whom his spirit made willing, but they had stirred hearts. See, the happy heart speaks of the voluntary aspect of giving. They gave willingly out of their own heart, out of their own generosity. But the stirred heart speaks of the vision. We call this our vision offering. We take that phrase from Proverbs 29, 18, where the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. The word vision in, in this context is defined as an exercise of faith. Vision is seeing not what is, but what could be. And what we're looking for on, for the vision offering is people whose hearts have been stirred. On Saturday morning, I spoke to our soul winners in the soul winning rally, and I spoke about your heart being stirred and your spirit being pressed regarding soul winning. But here we see it regarding giving. And what we're looking is for people who have their hearts stirred to believe in what is being done here, to get a vision for what Verity Baptist Church has been doing and what we could potentially do. My wife and I are still raising our children. The Lord has blessed us with six children. And we are highly interested in and maybe even obsessed with the idea of making sure that these kids grow up and serve God. I don't have any control over that. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we're doing our best to train them up in the way they should go. 
Obviously, we're not Calvinists. They've got free will, and they're going to have to make decisions on their own. But because of this obsession, I don't know if that's the right word, every time my wife and I get around a parent, get around a couple, get around a father or a mother who's already raised their children, and maybe they have adult children, and their adult children are living for God, we always inevitably take the opportunity to kind of pick their brain and ask, well, what, what did you do? What, what do you attribute to the success? I mean, here you have an adult child, and they're in church, and they're a soul winner, and they're serving, and they're, they're loving God. And, 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 and whether it's pastors or people outside as we travel in different churches or people within our own church, we sometimes will ask these questions. And recently, my wife and I were having a conversation with somebody here in our own church who had already raised their kids, and they were living for God. And I would call them a success story of, 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 of what they've done. And we were having a friendly conversation, kind of asking and, and picking their brain a little bit and saying, what did you do to raise adult children who go to church, go soul winning, serve God, love the Lord? We're just curious, you know, if there's anything we could learn. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. What, what did you do? And this individual looked at us, who's a member here of our church, and they said, the secret was verity. They said, the secret was this church. They said, and, and they were humble, and I appreciate it. They, and I'm sure that they had played a role, obviously, in raising their children. But they said, this church helped us raise our children for God. I'm here to tell you, I was pleased to hear that, and I was encouraged to hear that. Today, we sit here with 230-some-odd people in this church, 100 kids in our homeschool group, and I realize that not all the children in our church are in our homeschool group. And I'm here to tell you that we can do more. We can accomplish more. When I think of the vision of this church, I think of some of you, because quite honestly, some of you were quite a mess when you showed up. Can I say that? Some of you are still a mess. And this church has been instrumental in helping people get saved and begin to grow, to reestablish marriages and establish homes and help individuals. And we've came alongside you and helped you raise your children. And we've been there. We've, 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 seen, we've seen your children graduate. We've seen your children uh, be married. I've performed over 15 marriages in the last 13 years here at Verity Baptist Church for our church people. And I'm just telling you, can you get a vision of what we can do for the Lord? And your heart gets turned and say, look, here's all I'm saying. We want happy hearts, but you know what we also want is satisfied customers. Can I say it that way? I don't mean to be too secular in my terminology. I don't know about you, but I can say for my wife and I, we're happy customers of Verity Baptist Church. Maybe I think too highly of our own church. I don't know. I understand I'm the pastor and that maybe seems... I'm just saying this, that this is the church that my wife and I dreamed about. This is the church that we wanted to have for ourselves. Now, unfortunately, we don't get to enjoy it as much because we're the ones doing all the planning and all the things, you know, that, but, but, but look, if I was in the pastor of a church and Verity Baptist Church existed, that's the, this is the kind of church I would want to go to. Because I want to homeschool my children, and we do homeschool our children, but one thing that we had uh, issues with, uh, uh, that we were kind of scared regarding homeschooling, is that sometimes you look at these homeschool children, and they're very socially awkward. And, and uh, you know, before you attack homeschooling, let me just say this. Go down to the public school, and you're going to see a whole lot of weird kids, too. Right. Just, stand, just stand outside the, the, the gate as you see the, the high school get out of school, and you'll be like, yeah, they're awkward, too. But you know, the children in this church are not awkward. 
Because this is a church that has activities, that has things for them. There's a plan. There's a system. Uh, lives have been changed. Lives have been transformed. People have been helped to get off of drugs and get off of alcohol and marriages have been established. And here's what I'm saying. This is the church that we dreamt up. This was the vision we had. And today, uh, uh, 13 years into it, I have a greater vision for what can be done and what could be done and what can be accomplished for the glory of God. And if your heart is stirred, I'd ask you to consider giving. See, they gave collectively, and they gave willingly. You say, what are we looking for? We're looking for happy hearts, and we're looking for stirred hearts. People say, I'll, I'll give happily. God loves a cheerful giver, and my heart's stirred. I'm a happy customer of Verity Baptist Church. I'm happy with what this church has done in my life and accomplished in this community. And I'd like you to notice thirdly this morning, not only do we see that they gave collectively, not only do we see that they gave willingly, but I'd like you to notice thirdly this morning that they gave generously. I'd like you to actually flip over to chapter number 36, if you would. The, the, the story uh, continues in chapter 36. It spills over into chapter 36. But I'd like you to notice a couple of things from this chapter. The things we see in this chapter are the things that I'm going to ask you to do and that we've been asking you to do. The first is this. I want you to notice, and I'm asking, and I've been asking, but I'm going to continue to ask. I'm asking that our church family would work skillfully. Look at this chapter, Exodus 36, verse 1. Then Ra, the word Ra means worked. Then Ra, or we could say worked, Bezalel and Aholiah. Now, who are these men, Bezalel and Aholiab? Bezalel and Aholiab is not just them. Look, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding, notice these words, to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. These are men that had skills to do work to do certain things. Look at verse 6. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up. Notice these words. To come unto the work to do it. I want you to notice that Moses did not only take a special offering. Just in case you're, you're uh, you know, concerned with Pastor Jimenez and you're like, I don't know if what you're doing is biblical. Number one, we're taking a special offering Moses took a special offering, and if God was okay with Moses doing it, he's okay. God is no respect of persons. He's okay with us doing it. But don't you notice, not only did Moses take a special offering, Moses held work days. I mean, he literally asked people and said, if you have the skills, if you have the ability, if you know how to do some of these things, look at it. Exodus 36, 1. Then wrought Bezalel and Holiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding. Thank God that we've got some men here in the church that the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work. And then Moses, verse 2 called Bezalel and Aholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up, he called them, look at it, to come unto the work to do it. Moses here is having a work day. Go back to Exodus 35. Look at verse number 30. 
Exodus 35, verse 30. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship and to devise mechanical arms, right? I mean, that's what we, to, to devise st- uh, uh, texturing and to devise I- installing lights. I mean, that, he says, and to devise uh, curious works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stone to set them and in the crave, uh, carving wood to make any manner of cunning work. Moses, through God, identified individuals of the congregation and said, hey, you have the skill. In fact, Moses, it's interesting because, you know, I stand up and say, if you could come to the work day where Moses actually went to people and said, hey, God told me that you can do this. <laughs> come to the work day. And what I'm saying to you is this. I'm at, we're asking, I'm asking you. If you have the ability, will you work skillfully? Here's the thing. Let me just be honest with you. We have three weeks to get this done. We have two weekends and three weeks to make this happen. We've got things that need to be done. I've got a whole list here, and it's constantly being updated, of things that need to be done and and accomplished over at that new property. And I'm not going to read this whole list to you. I would like to read a couple things to you, just because there's some things that that are important. I don't know that everything on this list is going to be done. You know, projects like these, they're like an emotional roller coaster. Sometimes I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking like, whoa, we're going to get this done. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, not so much. <laughs> and obviously it's all in God's hands. We understand that. But here's what I'm asking. In the next three weeks, look, I realize, I realize we've been doing this since October. I get that. And look, I understand. I've, I've been pushing our church and I've been pushing us hard. I understand that. I understand that the last six months have been a season of high intensity here at Verity Baptist Church. Please understand that. We're having these work days while still trying to do everything that we normally do. It it, it would have been easy for me, and and, and sometimes I regret not doing it. It would have been easy for me to just say no youth rally, no Red Hot Preaching Conference, no Valentine's Day banquets, and no homeschool field trips or PE. You know, just, but I I didn't want to do that to our church for, for six months. And I understand we've been pushing hard, and I get that. I hope you understand that it's for the Lord. And I hope that you understand it's it's just, it's temporary. I know six months doesn't seem that temporary to some of you. But what I'm saying is this, would you help us over the next three weeks? And and, and I'm specifically speaking to those of you that have skills. You know, you preach sermons like these and, and then, you know, 10 guys show up and it's like, what can you do? Nothing, but when's the pizza? And it's like... Some of you guys have some skills that the Lord has given you. And the Lord has given them to you and he's allowed you to borrow them to make an income and praise God for that. God expects it to be used for the glory of God as well. So I just want to encourage you. There's things that need to be done. There's mudding and texturing that needs to be done. There's uh, areas in the auditorium where speakers had to get hung up. Four different speakers had to get hung up. And uh, some areas of drywalling had to be addressed as a result of that, adding framing for those speakers, and we've got areas that need drywalling, 
and, and mudding and texturing, and the, the texturing part requires skills, and if that's something that you can do. Uh, if you're an electrician or you're a contractor that can do electrical work, we've got so many things for you. Uh, I mean, we, we've got remote switches that need to be installed at the doorways. We've got, I don't even know what this means. I'm just reading this. It's on my list. Change duplex outlet to proper finished cover. If that makes sense to you, the Lord is calling you <laughs> to do this. If I said those words and you're like, oh, yeah, I know what that is, God, you're Bezalel, okay? <laughs> Remote switches need to be installed at the sound room. Vive hub install, that makes sense? Step up. Um, you know, we've got other things that need to be done. Those wooden beautiful beams need to be cleaned, and there's tape that needs to be scraped off of them and things like that. There's still doors that need to be hung. There's trim that needs to be put up. There's baseboards that has not uh, been uh, completely uh, uh, done yet. There's, there, there's, there's things that need to be accomplished, um, steps that need to be repaired, uh, all sorts of lighting that needs to be put in the main uh, foyer, uh, Spray painting of registers that needs to be done, running of wires, installing of cameras. There's so many things that need to be accomplished. And here's all I'm asking. I'm asking, if, if you have the ability to help with any of these things, would you help? And Brother Oliver, after the service in the main foyer, will have this list and have a clipboard. And if you will come by and say, hey, I, I can help with that. That's something I can take care of. I can, I can do that. Then here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that we work skillfully. If you have the skills, we're asking that you'd give us some time. I know some of you have already given us so much time, I'm embarrassed to even ask any more of you. But I'm just saying this, if the Lord would lay it on your heart, if your heart would be stirred, would you work skillfully? But then I'd like to, you to notice, secondly, not only did they work skillfully, because you're, maybe you're here, you're like, well, I can't do any of that. I don't know how to do any of that. Okay, well, here's what you can do. We can give generously. It's an interesting story here in Exodus 36 and verse 3. The Bible says this, and they received of Moses all the offerings, which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free, notice the word, free offerings, willing. Nobody forced them. It was free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work with uh, which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people, notice these words, So the people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. I want you to notice that these people not only gave collectively, not only did they give willingly, but they gave generously. They worked skillfully. They gave generously. And to be honest with you, this story has always bothered me a little bit because I've thought to myself, man, I can't really imagine us ever getting there. I can't really imagine us ever getting to the place where I'd be like, listen, folks, this vision offering you guys, you gave so up, you need to stop giving. You know, and I, I always have this concern because I'm like, man, am I just like covetous or what? Like, I just really couldn't imagine this happening. And then I heard somebody preach out of this passage, and they said, and, and again, this is just something someone said, and maybe it's not uh, correct, I don't know, but they said that someone had taken the time to go through and look at all the things that were given in the special offering, and then they had uh, uh, looked at the value of these things uh, as, as they would have been valued 
in the ancient world and then turn that into uh, a modern number and what they said, and maybe this is true, maybe it's not, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting. They said that the people brought the value of the offering given at this special offering, this vision offering that Moses held, was a billion dollars. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I thought to myself, okay, well, if we brought in a billion dollars, I probably would be like, hey, guys, it's, we're good. You know? I mean, we, we owe $2.6 million on that property over there. I mean, I feel like if we, if we had $5 million, we'd pay that thing off and be like, you guys, you know, don't worry about it. We're fine. We're getting the age back. Obviously, these people were bringing things that were used to literally build. We're not asking you to, you know, don't bring a, a sheet of drywall and nails. The idea is this, that they gave generously. They gave generously to the point where they met the need and to the point where the Bible says that the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. So again... As your pastor this morning, I come to our church and just say, would you consider? Now, here's what's interesting about this special offering that Moses take, is that he didn't get up and preach a sermon, and they said, all right, let's get the offering plates out. While everyone's emotional, he said, go home and think about it. And when I say to you today, don't, don't, because here, here's the, here's the, the something that's, that's not good. People will hear something like this and they'll be like, Pastor, I've decided I'm going to give $7.50. The Lord, the Lord plays it on my heart. And I'm not mocking that. Look, if that's all you can give, and praise God for it. What I'm saying is this. I'm not asking you to make a decision based off a sermon you heard that maybe motivated you. I'm asking you to go home and pray about it. Amen. To seek God's will and to ask, Lord, what would you have me to do? What can I do that would be equal participation and equal sacrifice. And let's be honest with ourselves. For some, that number may not be very large, and that's okay. And for others, it may be a lot bigger. All I'm saying to you is on March 3rd, when we come together, if we want to follow the biblical principle of giving given to us in the Bible, then we should give collectively equal participation, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. We should give willingly out of a heart that is voluntary, out of a heart that is willing, and a heart that has a vision that's been stirred, that believes in the things that are being done here and believes in the stand that this church has taken and is willing to say, I'll, I'll invest in doing more of this with more people to help others. And would you give generously? Maybe for some of you that means giving of your time because you're a skillful worker. You're a Bezalel or an Aholiab or a wise-hearted man who has the ability to help with these things. And for the rest of us, it means to give generously, to stretch ourselves and to ask, Lord, what will you have me do? And I'd like for us to take the next several weeks as a church to pray and say, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to accomplish what you'd have for us to do at this year's vision offering? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do love you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Lord, I realize that this is not the most popular type of sermon. These are not the things that people generally want to hear. 
but it's in the Bible, and it's the season that we find ourselves in. And Lord, I pray that you'd help all of us to have willing hearts and to ask, what can we do? How can we participate? How can we give? And Lord, we, we're, we put it in your hands. We ask, Lord, that you would help the vision offering this year and help it to be whatever it is that you want it to be. And we'll give you the honor and glory for it. In the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to have Brother Moses come up and lead us in a final song. Just want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, I uh, want to remind the couples.